Shalom. Hello, hello. Welcome to Exercising Your Faith podcast. I am your co-host, Anita Armstrong, and I will be bringing the message forward today. Our host, Mr. Lois Terrell, she usually gives the messages, and at every so often when God, when God tells her to let's change some things up, let's change the flow of things, she will... Um, she obeys what God is saying. And he was saying that it was time for me to give a message. And so the message that I'm giving today is one that's quite sensitive and a topic that is coming up a lot. And I want you to share with me as well as if that is something that is a conversation that is going on in your area or a conversation that needs to happen in your area. And so I'm going to be sharing what God has given me. And I want you, and the way that I'm sharing it is like, I'm giving you tools and giving you resources to help in that conversation if you should get into one or if one is being had in your area that you can have some some uh some input into that situation and the topic of today is standing against depression okay standing against depression and i'm speaking in the terms of even in the church depression is in the church as well depression is everywhere okay it's a spirit and it will reside wherever a host will allow it to reside okay and so again this particular message today i will be giving it and it is going to be titled standing against depression the scripture reference that i'm going to be speaking on is from the book of psalm and i'm going to be in chapter 143 verses 3 through 10. That's where I'm going to dwell at and break that down the best that I can, the way that God has given it to me to share with you. And you know, the way that I present messages, it is kind of like a teacher or, you know, there's going to be a lot of writing. There's going to be some homework, you know, so just go ahead and get your mind ready, get set for that. And I would like, like I always say, I want to hear your feedback. I want to hear what God is telling you because it can very well be something that I can share with somebody else that could help save somebody's life or could help save somebody the heartache of going through something for a period of time. Amen. All right. So again, scriptures, uh, scripture, Psalm 143, three through 10. And I'm a firm believer on that. If you are a believer, then you will become or you are a leader. So everyone that's a believer, I believe that you are a guiding light in your area, in your home, at your job, wherever God has placed you, you are a representative of light for the kingdom. Therefore, you are a leader. So as believers and leaders, we're often, we often operate in an expectation or a standard that our faith should, that, that our faith should um, believe away our problems. You know, you hear people say, you know, aren't you a Christian? Aren't you a believer? Like, why are you still having that issue? Why is your marriage suffering? Why are you struggling with finances? Why are your kids having so many problems? Okay. And so that is a mis misconception. That is, that is a, a myth. I'm going to call it a myth that if you are a believer, if you're a Christian, you're a disciple, you're a follower of Christ, that you don't have issues, that you don't have big issues. Sometimes it just is. And there are examples in the Bible of that, that I'm going to share that I'm going to share with you. And that a lot of times that, you know, as Christians and believers, we do have chaotic moments. We do have terrible days. Every day is not 
you know, the phrase, you hear people say, I'm highly blessed and highly favored, or, you know, you hear everything is wonderful, everything is great. You know, there are days when it's just, if you ask the question, it's flat out terrible. It's flat out horrible. It's flat out chaotic. Okay. It happens. And I know that it's happened to us. You know, I always say, if you live long enough, you'll have one of those days. I've had several, and I've had quite a few recently. Okay. So like I said, when you're asked, how are you doing? we may hear or reply with, I'm blessed, I'm highly favored, I'm good. Girl, I'm fine doing me, living my best life, doing well, thank you, how are you? That's like the, that's like a template of how to respond, being polite, okay? It's it's like part of being, having good manners and proper etiquette. We regurgitate, I'm gonna say regurgitate, we, we regurgitate and repeat these common phrases that are just empty casings passed back and forth like a tennis match. It's almost expected. Like when you say, how are you doing? I'm just speaking on my on my part. Like sometimes when I'm saying, hey, how are you doing? I'm not expecting them to say anything other than I'm fine. That's uh, my head, my brain is already there. I'm fine and I'm gonna be like, good, good. I, it's already played out in my head and that happens several times a day. So in today's culture, it isn't polite to really tell the truth of how you feel. And that's how we can fall into disorders such as depression. It's not good culture. It's not polite to be a Christian, definitely, and say, you know, tell the truth of how you're feeling. But just in general, it's just not something that is done most of the time. It's polite to ask, but it's not really polite to say how you're feeling. And a lot of times we don't really pause and wait for a true response. Like I said, we already programmed to to say something back. Hey, how are you doing? Sometimes you may not even say the whole thing back and somebody will say, good, 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 good. And, and they're on their way. Like I've done that before where someone asked me and I didn't even really finish saying, I'm fine, thank you, how are you? Or I said, I'm fine, fit. And then they're like, good, good, good. And they're like five steps away already, still walking, never even stopped. So that is the reality of things. Um, and I think a lot of the reasons why we why we do that is judgment and honestly lack of concern. Why, when I say that, why do we do that? Why do we not wait for a response? Why do we not pause and truly wait to hear how somebody's really doing? I think a lot of that is judgment and we don't care. As a society, I think we just truly we become numb. We don't care. And so scriptures I'm going to discuss, I have um, trivia questions, of course, in here to keep it interesting. <laughs> Some trivia questions. And these trivia questions are going to lead into the lesson. So the first trivia question is, who wrote the book of Job? Who wrote the book of Job? The next question is, who wrote the books, First and Second Corinthians? Who wrote the books of 1st and 2nd Corinthians? And the third question that I have here is, who wrote the book of Psalm? Okay. And even when I was preparing this message and everything, when I looked up those questions, um, when I, I those are questions that I had. And um, I went and I looked them up and I was shocked, like, whoa, I totally thought it was this, or I'm, I'm way off on that one. So the first question is, who wrote... Uh, the first question is who wrote the book of Job? Of course, you're thinking, well, Job wrote the book of Job. Well, 
many different resources come to the same conclusion of it's really unknown. Yes, people believe it, possibly Job, possibly Moses, but there wasn't truly a definite author. It wasn't one. Um, number two, who wrote the books first and second Corinthians? The answer to that is Apostle Paul. Okay, Apostle Paul. And then the third question is who wrote the book of Psalm? Well, this is a tricky one. It has about six authors, six different men, and this was written over a course of centuries to complete the book of Psalm. It makes sense. There's so many, so many chapters in Psalm. Um, I've seen 148, 138, you know, so like it's, it's a huge book. And the authors are believed to be David, Moses, Solomon, Ethan, two names that I haven't really heard before. One is Heman, and the last one is Asaph. Those were the, the six names that came up when you're dealing with the book of Psalm. Amen. All right, let's move forward. Now, you know, I was talking about Job. That was my first question. Who wrote the book of Job? Well, the reason why that came about is because God gave me the example of Job. Job was a person in the Bible who dealt with depression. So Job was honest about his feelings when talking to his family, his friends, and God. And according to Job 1 and 1, make sure you look that up, Job was perfect and upright. And he was one that feared God and he avoided evil. He didn't do wrong stuff. He was a good man. And when you read the story of Job, you'll find out that he had about seven consecutive days of straight horror. He had horrendous days, seven of them back to back to back, terrible days. That whole episode that we hear about Job went through this and this and this and that. I was thinking it was over a period of years. Like in my mind, I, I don't know why I just, I didn't pick up on it, but it was over a period of about seven days. I had to look this up. So he went through this for about seven days and Job became depressed, but he remained faithful to God. He remained faithful. Then I looked upon, uh, Apostle Paul, and it brought me to the letters first and second Corinthians. And we learn how Apostle Paul was persecuted, which is accused, and he was charged, and he suffered greatly for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ. He mastered suffering with grace, poise, and dignity. He suffered, 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 but he did it without losing himself. He didn't give in to a a darkness that lingered and and captured him. He didn't stay imprisoned to that ugly feeling. So Paul suffered, his sufferings lasted many years. So he on the other hand, I, I figured that too, but he on the other hand, his lasted for many years during his 32 years of ministry. He turned his depression into inspiration and encouragement for others. And you can see that in the letters that he wrote he was most of the time encouraging and providing advice, though he a lot of times was in captivity. He was jailed. He was being persecuted. He was he was being held against his will. He was being confined to a certain area. He was constantly in, having issues, but he stayed encouraged. And for our lesson, for our lesson, our main lesson for this evening, the book of Psalm, I'll be in that and those scriptures I told you about, I want to focus on David. I like to call him Dancing David. And I like to look at how he dealt with overcoming depression. He too suffered with depression. Paul had depression and periods of depression. And so did um, Job. All three of these men dealt with it, but they 
they, they always went back to God. They always kept their faith and God saved them from the end of depression is, is death. Depression is not meant for you to have it and you just live forever, 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 forever. And like everything, you know, turns out to be okay. Depression is meant to take you to a dark side and keep you marching down the dark path to an end, which is usually, you know, you doing something that's going to cause you to, you know, that's going to cause your life to end or for you to take your own life. That's the point of the spirit of depression. Okay. So depression, when we look it up for in the dictionary or, you know, different resources, it said depression is classified as a mood disorder. And you know, when I was talking about the word dis-ease, I always break it down. You have dis means to separate, to divide, and then ease is supposed to be something that is comforting, something that flows, something that is, um, I want to say easy. Uh, and so when you're talking about disorder, you're talking about something that is separated from order, separated from function, separated from normalcy. So depression is classified as a mood disorder, emotions that are out of order. They're not functioning normally. And so this usually affects how you feel, how you think and how you behave, which can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems. So depression is a mood disorder that leads to problems, okay? And so when you look at Psalms 143, 3 through 10, uh, where is, let me, let me, anyway, here it is right here. I'm going to read it to you real quick. Um, I'm reading from the new, um, the new international version. I was going to try and grab my King James, but um, I didn't have it flipped open, so I'm going to keep moving. So I'm, I'm reading from the NIV. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we're going to break it down, okay? So the Psalms 143, 3 and 10 reads, The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in the darkness like those long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. Answer me quickly, Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me or I will be like those who go down to the pit. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go for you. I'm sorry. Show me the way I should go for to you I entrust my life. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord, for I hide myself in you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Amen. All right. So that's Psalm 143, 3 through 10 in its entirety right there, right? So this these scriptures identify eight steps of how to stand against the spirit of depression. These scriptures right here, okay? 3 through 10. I'm going to break down each verse. I'm going to give you some little side nuggets that will help you to understand why I feel these are eight really powerful and significant steps of how to break or how to stand against the spirit of depression. Amen. Scripture three, we're starting at three. It reads like this. The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. This scripture here, scripture verse three, identifies the nature and the cause of the problem. 
This scripture right here sounds like depression to me. It says the enemy pursues me. It identifies the cause and the nature, the enemy. The enemy pursues me and crushes me to the ground. It tells you what it did. The enemy pursues me and crushed me to the ground, okay? He makes me dwell in the darkness, the darkness, depression, okay? Uh, We go to verse four, and it says, so the spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed, okay? This scripture here, we recognize that depression steals the light and steals life. The cause of the spiritual attack is the enemy. It all goes back to the enemy. When you know better, you do better. So that's why I'm so big, big, big on breaking down scripture. The more you study it, you break it down, you look at it line by line, scripture by scripture, word for word, for me anyway, and people who learn like me, it sticks and it stays. And so when the enemy comes, I'm able to pull on that knowledge, pull on what I have absorbed into my spirit and use it against the enemy, okay? So going on to scripture five. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. All right, this is step three. This will cause you to recall on the good times and God's promises that have come to pass. Remembering deals with the mind and our thoughts. So we go back in our mind and we pull on, like I just was talking about, we go back in our mind and we pull on the good times. We pull on what God has already done for us to help us not to fall fall captive to the darkness. It's hard to come out. It's not saying once you, you're in a dark place, once you're in depression that you're stuck, you're done. No, you can definitely stand against it. You can definitely come out of it and you can definitely keep depression at bay. Amen. All right. So now we're going to go to scripture six. I spread out my hands to you. I thirst for you like a parched land. Okay. We're going to talk about step four right here. Lifting your hands is a form of worship. Um, declaring, declaring that we need him. He is the only one who can fix things. When we declare it, when we worship it, it, it pulls the chains off. It breaks, it breaks the bondage that the enemy is trying to have on us. It puts distance between the enemy and us when we are in worship. When we are declaring, which is saying out of your mouth, you're saying, God, I need you, I need you, I need you. And sometimes that's all you can say is, God, I need you, I need you, I need you. Right here, right now, Lord, I need you. I need you. Or just saying his name. I've done that before. I just said, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I mean, that's all I could say. I've done that before, and it was very helpful for me. Let's go to scripture uh, verse 7. Answer me quickly, Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will be like those who go down in the pit. Step five, ask God for help. You cannot fight the enemy on your own. It's not going to happen. You will lose every single time. You have to ask God for help. If you want to be on the winning, you want to be on the winning end of this, you want, you want to have victory, you have to ask him for help. You have to, you have to, you have to, you have to. That is the only, the God, God is the only thing that can win over the devil. If you have a small victory and you did it on your own power, I promise you it's temporary because he's going to go and grab three friends that are just as powerful as him and they're coming back. 
every single time. And even when you're doing it with God, the enemy always tries to come back. But you have to stick with God, stick with God, stick with God, stick with God. You cannot win this on your own. Amen. Let's go to scripture eight. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. For to you, I entrust my life. Step seven, listen to the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Be patient, 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 patient. When we go to verse nine, rescue me from my enemies, Lord, for I hide myself in you. That's the end of that one. And so that's going to be step seven. And that is pray for deliverance. Pray for deliverance. This one's saying, rescue me from my enemies. I hide myself in you. Pray for deliverance, which is conversation. Prayer is just conversation with God. Talk to him. Like we tell our kids, come talk to me. Your boss, you're having an issue, come talk to me. Communication is key in everything that we do. Sign la- If communication wasn't that important, we wouldn't have sign language, we wouldn't have braille. I mean, everything that we have on earth, communic- symbols, colors that mean this and that, communication is vital. Talk, pray, ask God for deliverance. Amen. The last verse, 10, it says, teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. I'm so glad it this step eight ends with this one here particularly. So step eight, seek God's wisdom, knowledge, and leadership. Keep your mind on God, not the problem. Go beyond the problem. The problem is something that's just sitting in front of us. It's way more involved and you have way more resources than you know. In the scripture on verse 10, it says, lead me on level ground. That's balance. Take me back, Lord, to a place where I I have even footing. It's not up. It's not down. It's not sideways. It's not rocky. It's flat. It's balanced. Lead me to level ground balance. That's where we want to function at. And that's where we have our best footing is on level ground. And God can definitely bring us to that place. And depression has you on a downward slope, on a on a downward path. So get to level ground. You're going to have to call on Jesus. You're going to have to call on the Lord. You're going to have to put you in position in your mind first. We talked about the mind as a battlefield. Your mind first, and then the rest will fall into place. Amen. So I want to leave you with this. As leaders in our homes, as leaders on the job, at school, in our community, in our tribe, village, on our sports teams, dance classes, I mean, everything, social groups, and just in our lives. Listen, we need to keep these scriptures and their understanding in our spiritual tool belts. So be sure to revisit this lesson and use it whenever it is needed. One thing that I always like to share is that what if you only had five minutes? You're in the parking lot, you're you're at the store, you're in line somewhere, you're walking and you see somebody crying in, 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 in disarray, just, just, just broken. And you have five minutes to talk to them. You have five minutes to let them know that God has them. And, and a lot of people will say, depression is not in the Bible. No, the word depression is not in the Bible. But I gave you three different men in the Bible, Job, David, and Apostle Paul, that dealt with issues that had them in places of depression, places of, of um, dis, dismay. 
places where they felt um, the enemy was on them, attacking them. Depression, disorder. They weren't operating in a what we would consider normal flow. God was there. God was in the midst. And they kept God there and God in the midst. Man, pretend that you have five minutes. What would you say? You have five minutes to make a difference. What would you do? What would you say? Very important. This lesson is vital for, for instances such as that, okay? And so I want you on a piece of paper to draw a triangle. And at the apex of that triangle, put feeling at the top. Your feeling, your feelings at the top, okay? In the center of the triangle, I want you to put the event or the situation or the problem, okay? And then on one corner, on the bottom of the triangle, on the far left, I want you to put thinking, and on the other point, far right, I want you to put doing, okay? And this is kind of how the mind goes. This is called a cognitive triangle, thinking map kind of like. And so what usually happens is something happens. That's the event, the thing in the center of the triangle. Something happens. And then it goes to your thoughts. Okay, I, you're going to tell yourself something. You know, that was terrible. Or I should have never came. Or... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm tired of this always happening to me. I feel all alone. You know, what's wrong? What's wrong with me? Whatever the issue, you know, whatever your thinking is, right? And then it usually shifts over to the feeling, your feelings, okay? Your feelings are up there at the top, right? What do you feel? Because you tell yourself something and then you start to feel something. And then after the feeling, you tell yourself something, you feel something, and then you do something. That's the behavior, Okay? That's the doing thing. So it goes like this. An event happens, then thinking happens, then feelings happen, then doing happens. Once you recognize that and you can look at that cycle, when you're in a situation, if you can pull that up in your head or even if you're talking to someone, giving them advice, you can pull on that and help yourself, help them to make a better choice, to make a godly choice, to include God in that problem-solving situation. Amen? So depression. This lesson was called Standing Against Depression. Standing Against Depression. Scripture references Psalms 143, 3, and 10. I love y'all. I pray that this message was helpful and we will definitely do more messages like this as we go on. We're not, we're nowhere near done. God has so much for us to do and for you as well. Our hope here at Exercising Your Faith is that you grow stronger each and every day and with each and every lesson. We love you and we will talk to you again real soon. Shalom.